This morning, we are continuing with our series on Colossians. Uh, as you may know, we've been going through Colossians since the beginning of the year, and uh, we only able to get through Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 last week. So I'm hoping, uh, trusting, wishing that we can finish Colossians chapter 2 this week. Uh, I, I know it's going to go fast. You know, we've been taking our time. There was uh, Sundays where we would spend the whole morning just going through two verses. But today, we're going to go through a whole bunch of verses. And, and I'm, I'm hoping to switch things up a little bit because uh, we're going to take a few weeks break from Colossians after today because Megan is preaching. Megan is preaching next week. Uh, and then we have Easter, which, uh, again, I want to encourage you guys. I know uh, Gavin mentioned that, but Easter, I want to encourage you guys to invite your friends and your families to come along. It's, it's something that we've always said. That, uh, there are two dates of the year where people are more uh, open to come to church. That would be Easter and Christmas. So invite friends and families, those who you've been trusting for, those that you've been praying for to come to know Jesus. Invite them to come because on Easter, it's going to be an all-out gospel. There's, I'm not going to mess around with it. So it's going to be an all-out gospel. So we're going to pray for people, and we're trusting that people will come to know Jesus more or just even coming to know Jesus, uh, period. So uh, just a reminder for that. So this morning, we're going to go through, uh, as I said, go through the second half of chapter 2. Even though we're going to go through an actual passage instead of a verse-by-verse, verse, I want to encourage you guys uh, during the week to actually read through each verse for yourself, because God, he is speaking to all of us as a, as a body, but also he wants to speak to each and every one of us, and the only way for us to do that is when we spend time with him and spend time reading scriptures on Colossians chapter 2. So I want to get going. So we ended last, uh, last week with verse 12 with the emphasis on us having been brought to spiritual fullness in Jesus. So Paul went on to uh, wrote in verse 13 and through 15, he reminded us again that we were redeemed by his death on the cross. So this, this, this um, phrase or this theme of we've been reconciled, we've been redeemed, Paul is constantly repeating. He's constantly talking about that. We, we went through that in chapter 1. We went through that in the beginning of chapter 2, and he's going through that again right now in chapter 2 is Jesus has redeemed us. He's reconciled us, so he constantly wants to remind us of that because knowing that understanding, as Gavin was sharing earlier, is we've been reconciled, so now we are in Jesus, and he is in us. And it's, it's a distinction that he's trying to get us to remember and constantly reminding us because we are redeemed by God, right? We're now different people, people who belong to God, people of God. Even if some of the Colossians or some of us still don't fully realize that we actually now belong in the kingdom of God. So he just got done, Paul just got done telling the people of um, Colossae, the Colossians, that we are now in Christ spiritually. We have been freed from sin and legal indebtedness spiritually. So starting with verse 16, he's now telling the Colossians, or telling us how to practically live with the understanding of the people who are spiritually free. Because to be free spiritually and to actually live it out are two different things. So he talked about how we've been freed spiritually, and now he's trying to give us tips and tell us that we should be able to live as free people, a people of God. 
Uh, he wants to tell us to practically what the freedom that comes with those, again, who belong to the kingdom of God. As, as something, you know, we, we've seen this a lot. You know, the, the term that we, we, we hear a lot is PTSD, right? It's someone when they, when they uh, experience some traumatic um, incident or event, or a life event, and as they're being removed from that, there's always flashback. You know, people always tend to think like, oh, we're still in that season when they're actually not. So that's what happened with the people in Colossae, is they've been saved, but they don't actually live like people who have been saved yet. So he's trying to give them tips of how to practically live as people of God. Um, the, the rules and the regulation that was imposed on, uh, I, I'm going to use us, but on the Colossians, under the dominion of darkness, which is society, because society is not completely under the rule of reign of Jesus yet. That's what we're advancing his kingdom. So now as we belong to the kingdom of God through Jesus, we're free. We are free from those rules and those regulations. Traditions, human, uh, cultural influences, uh, things that people have spoken over us, which over time may define us, we're free from those things. Paul went on to give us some handles on how to live as people belonging to God. This is because, the, as I said, the Colossians are new to this lifestyle, and he's trying to equip them, a lifestyle of God's people. So he went on in verse 18 to say, Be free and do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Um, he, it was important for him to say that because... As they are coming into a new season, they're going to be people who's trying to influence them, trying to tell them, oh, welcome into the kingdom of God. Now come and listen to me. I have deep, dark secrets and deep understanding that I will show you how to really belong to the kingdom of God. And those are the people who always talked about with false humility. Or with uh, a Worship of angels can be translated as a, an exaggeration of, of spiritual experiences. That disqualify. So they're trying to say, if those people may disqualify us, don't let those these people disqualify us. Um, and I, as I was working through uh, this passage, and one of the things that I was trying to come up with is like false humility. What is that? You know, we hear that a lot. But what is an example of someone that has false humility? It is a person who would say that he or her is not important or not well known. But if you listen to him or her long enough. It's going to be a lot of me, myself, and I coming through. That is one way to know if someone has a false humility. And just as important, if that person keeps saying, oh, this is what I'm not really good at, or this is what I don't know very well, but they don't make any effort to get better at the areas that they are not good at because they're just saying it, but they really think that they are good. So that's one of the examples for us to know of people who have false humility. Um, where was I? I got lost. So uh, Paul, if, if you read through this passage, Paul repeated the term false humility twice within this passage. So we need to take note of its importance and learn to recognize it because it's something that we see a lot in society. And we need to recognize it and not be persuaded or influenced or affected by it because we're now in a new season, in a new kingdom of God. And the simple test uh, about false humility is, is Jesus being glorified? Or is a person being glorified? Is the name of a person being glorified or is it Jesus being glorified? Are they pointing people to Jesus 
or they're pointing people to themselves. That's one of the ways for us to also know someone has false humility. Uh, also, Paul is telling the Colossians and, and all of us, essentially, to also avoid people who criticize anyone, anyone else for not having these wonderful angelic experiences. You know that if you're here long enough, you know that we believe and we trust and we have experienced it and we have witnessed the experience of the presence of God. You know, when the presence of God comes, we know that it's different than just someone acting or pretending or really exaggerating what they're experiencing. So I'm, not say, so I'm saying that these experiences are real and authentic when the presence of God is upon us, just as when we're worshiping him, we can experience that something is new, something is authentic. Paul's saying is when someone's exaggerating or making these things up, don't let those experiences be the qualifications for maturity in Christ. Because if we just don't sit there and screaming and yelling during the worship time, it doesn't mean that we're not mature. That's what Paul is trying to say. So an illustration is it's, it's the same thing as um, if, if we use those experiences as a qualification for our maturity, we become the people who only seek the highs or the experiences of, of being in the presence of God instead of seeking a deeper, stronger relationship with Jesus. Don't just seek for that experience. Seek for the relationship with Jesus. That's what Paul is trying to say. Don't let those people disqualify you. Um, so, I'm totally losing track of where I am. Thank you. Uh, so those people are more concerned with their st own status. So Paul is trying to warn the Colossians and also trying to warn us. Those people are more concerned with their status, which is about wanting others to honor them or lifting them up or wanting people. Are they just trying to brag about how religious they are? Or, like I said earlier, trying to say that they know something that no one else knows. So come to me and I'll share you a secret of how to know God better. So they are lifting themselves up instead of honoring and lifting up Jesus. So it may come in many forms, as, as I said earlier. So they, nobody has the inside track to being in fellowship with Jesus. So we don't need to go through someone to get the inside track on how to build a relationship with Jesus. So what Paul is trying to say, these people are using the same tactic of controlling or manipulate, manipulation for their own selfish need. These tactics are being used while we were under the dominion of darkness. We don't belong there anymore because of Jesus. We don't belong there anymore, so don't let those tactics or those people have a voice in our lives. Don't let them be the one who qualify us in terms of who we are and our maturity in Christ. So in verse 19, he actually went on to say, those people have lost connection with Jesus, the head of the church. Jesus, the one who is building his church, right? The church is his body. And, and when he says something like that, it also implies that they are not part of the body, which means they're not receiving the fullness of God's desire for them. Because he said that, the church grows as God causes to grow. They have lost connection with Jesus. As I was going through this and I came upon that verse, and I suddenly realized how incredible that statement is. Lost connection with Jesus. We are reconciled by Jesus. We were redeemed by him. Now, if we lose connection with Jesus... That is an incredible statement because we're thinking about just ourselves. I'm not saying us, these people. 
Paul actually was being really nice because as we study the other books, he actually used much harsher language describing these religious, controlling, self-important, self-righteous leaders in other letters. In Philippians 3, chapter 3, he called those people such as dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. That's in Philippians chapter 3, verse 2. So those terms are much harsher than lost connection with Jesus. And also in Galatians chapter 1, verse 8, he was saying that when these people will be cursed by God, that's pretty amazing. So when we have lost connection with Jesus, it's we're losing the source of where we're drawing life from and wisdom and knowledge. So we start operating on our own, being ourselves, glorifying ourselves, honoring ourselves, lifting ourselves up, and thinking the things that we do is the most important thing. And uh, having a reason or excuse for the things that we do or don't do. And there's no, there's no longer an absolute truth that can guide us and give us wisdom in the things that we do, the decisions that we make in our lives. So it's, it's, uh, it's a note and it's an, a reminder to, for us to, to realize that it's, it's important for us to be a part of a church family. It's a part of a body because it is a local church, right? Otherwise, we will not be able to grow as God causes it to grow. As I said earlier, he used such strong language against his religious leaders, and we need to know, be reminded again of God's intention for the gathering of his people. Why is he gathering his people? The gathering of his people is the church, right? And I want to take a few minutes to remind us again about one of the three values that we have at Restoration, is, which is the, to be an authentic, biblical, local church. Uh, there are many pictures of, of what is a church in scriptures. We, we do know that. Uh, people have been set apart, church as a family, a church as a bride, a church as a body. And the church, as you can see, it's a multifaceted church. It's a, there's multifacetedness to it, just as God is multifaceted, God. So we can't box a church in, but at the same time, we need to realize it's a many different things. It's a combination of, of people have been set apart. It's a family it's a church with a family with a purpose, a people with a mission, people with, uh, with a mission to go and share the, good, the love and goodness of who Jesus is. But ultimately, the church exists for God's glory. Even of all the good things that the church does, it exists for God's glory. And it's to be a place where God's glory dwells in each of us and when we gather. So when we, so when we need to so we need to resist the desire to put a church in a box or to define it or to, to put our agenda on what a church should do or what we feel the church needs to be. It is God is building his church, right? It's holy and it's God-ordained organism. He's intimately involved with his church and he's intimately involved with building his church, which means he is intimately involved with each of us growing each of us, maturing each of us, because the Bible says he's coming back. Jesus is coming back for a mature bride. And Jesus is involved in each of us, and we need to be part of a church so he can work in us and through us and help us mature. Um, you know, some of the things that we talk about as a church it is it's a new people, right? A people have been set apart. People have been redeemed from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of the Son whom he loves. So it is not an organization. It's not a business or a social club. 
it is a group of redeemed people, people who were redeemed by Jesus, followers of Jesus. Therefore, it has a supernatural origin. It's just not a, a something that I decided to make up and gather people to come and hang out with me. It has a supernatural origin. The church was founded by God himself and is being built by Jesus. He has an idea, he has an order, he has a design that we are to follow. And as his people, our identity comes from belonging to him, not for what we do. We need to remember that. We're, we are people have been set apart to be a part of a church. It's not because of what we do, because of who we are and who we belong to. Uh, the next thing about the church is it's, it's a family. We talked about this a lot because, you know, we see verses that talk about it's a family. It's a, but it's even more intimate than that. It's a family, which means we're linked primarily by relationship, not by function, not by structure, or not even like-mindedness, not even because we're all white, which we're not, not even because we're all Asian, which we're not. It's not because we're all the same age group, which we're not. It's not because we're the same ethnicity or, or because we have similar ideas on politics and, and, and in the same economic class. It is not. We're linked by relationship because God has placed us here. So it's a family implying a safe place, right? It should be a safe place. Hopefully, you came from a family where it's a safe place. It's an environment of mutual love, care, support, and honor. It's a place where we can all grow together. And it's, it's a place where we can learn about relationship. And it's a place that we shouldn't take for granted because it's not a common thing. It is special. It is not a common thing. The church is not something that is very common. It's a, it's a God-ordained, and we've been placed together for this season by God with the people that God has placed us in our lives to enjoy the fellowship, to enjoy the friendship, and to pray for each other, to stand in faith with each other, to love and support and encourage each other. And um, the next thing about the church is it's, it's like we use, I use the term army because I'm a guy. Maybe some of you people might think, use a different term, but I always, I love action movies, so I always enjoy the term army. But it's, it's just, just like it's a family with a mission. It's a family with a purpose, right? We want to be a people that has a purpose for the things that we do in our lives. We need to know we're going somewhere. We don't want to be preoccupied with just, for example, our, our kids. Just worry so much about our kids and what they do or our wives or our spouses or just the things around us. We want to be the people with a purpose. And that purpose is to share the love and goodness of Jesus. It's to advance his kingdom. to evangelism. That's what the church is. And I want to take, I felt like I, I want to take a minute to share a little bit more about what is the church, biblically, what we see as a church. Because it is a church of God. It's a church with Jesus at the head. It is a church that is sustained by Jesus. It's a church that is being built up by Jesus. It was the created design and operates as it was, a, the church needs to operate as it was intended to be. And our desire, and I know this is everyone at Restoration, is to be that authentic, biblical, local church. And having an understanding of what the church is and God designed for it will help us to know not to follow those people who have lost connection with Jesus. 
it will remind us that Jesus is the head, right? We're followers of Jesus. We're not followers of a Lutheran church or a Catholic church. We're not followers of, of, of what? Southern Baptist Church. We're not followers of Bethel Church or Moody Church or New Life Church or Willow Creek. We're followers of Jesus, and we need to remember that. And that's what Paul is trying to remind these people in in Colossae, and he wants to also remind us. You are followers of Jesus. You've been redeemed by Jesus. You are in the kingdom of God, not this group or this organization or this uh, section or this cult, so to speak. The church is just a vehicle to help us grow and mature in Christ. So keep that in mind because I just felt that we need to be reminded again of what is the church. God's designed for the church. With Jesus, he is now who we belong to, right? We belong to Jesus. We're in his kingdom. He is the king in this kingdom that we belong to. He's the one that we owe our allegiance to, right? He's the one who we submit to because we no longer submit to the rules and regulations set forth from where we were before, which is the dominion of darkness. Knowing God's design for the church will help us to spot religious leaders and allow us to live free to know where we came from and where we are now. And which leads us to the next question that Paul was trying to ask those in Colossae. Now that you belong to God, you belong in the kingdom of God, live free. Because why do you submit to his rules? Right? That's in verse 20. This question can also be stated as, why do you submit to human rules? You're now God's people. Why do you submit to cultural rules? You belong in the kingdom of God. You don't belong in this, um, I don't know, I, as you can tell, I'm Asian. So you don't belong to this Asian culture anymore. You don't need to operate like it. You belong in the kingdom of God. Live like it. Don't live by the rules that are set forth by those people, my people, well, my ex-people. Why do you submit to the rules of family traditions? We now belong to a different family. The family that we used to belong to, we want to love them and honor them. But don't submit to those rules because we belong to the family of God. We don't want to submit to the rules set forth by people or things because now we belong somewhere else. We have been redeemed by God. That's why it was important that Paul kept reminding the people over and over again, you've been reconciled. You've been redeemed by Jesus. Now you belong to him. We now submit to God's rules, not human's rules, God's rules, which is higher, has more integrity, more respectful, more righteous, more just, more loving, more kind, more compassionate, more merciful, all comprehensive, more impactful than any or all human rules put together. See, human rules and traditions are based on limited understanding. God's rules are from infinite wisdom and knowledge, right? We talked about that in chapter 1 a lot. He is, uh, uh, in him, we can find the hidden treasure of wisdom and knowledge. His rules are from before the beginning of time. So Paul is telling us to be free from the rules that no longer apply to us. These rules are based merely on human commands and human teachings. These rules are meant to please people. Human rules were created by people to please people. I want to say that again. Human rules were created by people to please people. We want to please God. 
We don't want to please people. And Paul is reminding the Colossians, who do you want to please? Whose rules do you submit to? We want to be known as people who live to please God, not to please people. Because as we live to please God and abide by his rules, we will live in freedom, live in this kingdom of God that we now belong to, live as people who have been redeemed, right? We belong to God now. We don't belong here anymore. And people who can live free because Jesus has purchased our freedom through his death on the cross. And that's what Paul was saying in verse 13 to 15 to remind us again, you have been redeemed, now live free. Why do you still submit to the rules of where you used to belong to? Um, as I'm working through this, it's like, so what does it mean? How can we find a way to realize that we are pleasing people versus pleasing God? One example is during the worship time. You know, we always encourage people to worship. But when we sing to make the worship team feel good, we're pleasing people. But when we sing with wholeheartedness to God, we're pleasing God. That's an example of the difference between pleasing God versus pleasing people. We sing to him. We don't sing so then the, the worship members feel good about the songs that they play. Because they are worshiping also themselves. They're not singing to us so then we can be entertained. They are worshiping God themselves. And also another thing is uh, we, we have uh, corporate prayer and worship once a month. If you go there to please the church leaders, you're pleasing people. Right? But if you go there because, you, because we know that God loves seeing his people gathering, God loves seeing his people gather to praise him, and to hear from him, to communicate with him, that means we're pleasing God. We do those things because we want to please God, not because we want to please people. So the way to really help us to know who we are pleasing is through understanding the scripture and, and just as importantly, relationship with Jesus. And Paul is reminding the Colossians, and actually us also, is to live free. Why do you still submit to his rules, right? Is that what he said? What's the actual? I want to say the exact verse. Why do you submit to his rules? Is that what he said? Someone help me? Yes. yes. Okay. Why? Why? Live free. Because I know there are verses in there we didn't talk about. He was saying, like, don't eat this. Don't do that. Don't drink this. What are the rules that you're living by? What are the rules that you want to submit to? God's rule. Live to please God. Then we will be able to live free from human rules, human regulations. We will be free from fear, anxiety, insecurity, and worries. Free from what people think or what they say. We don't realize this, but we, a lot of our time in the past and to a certain degree now, we tend to do things because of people. We need to tell ourselves, I want to do things to please God, not people. Please God, not people. You know, one way, and I, and I want to end by, by saying this, I want to encourage each and every one of us to ask this question. You know, the things that I'm doing are not doing. I'm talking about big things, not little things like, oh, you know, for lunch, am I going to eat Italian or Mexican? That's not what I'm saying. Just the big things, like the things that I'm doing are not doing. 
whatever those things are, are they to please God or to please people? When I say people, I mean my parents, my mentors, my leaders, my neighbors, or myself, or even my kids. What am I doing or not doing? Who is pleasing? People or is it pleasing God? Because if we live to please God, we will live in freedom. Not only that, our kids will see that we want to live to please God, and they will see the freedom that we enjoy and experience. And I know we, we have people with kids, but also I know there are people without kids. Because when we live to please God, those kids here at Restoration will see not only their parents, but they'll see, see all the other adults are making decisions based on what God is saying. And as they will grow, they will step naturally into that. And they will not be constrained or restricted by pleasing people or operate in the way that culture or society want to put a limit on who they are and what they can be and what they need to behave like, what they need to act like, what they need to live like. They can be the people who belong to God and they live as people to please God. That's what I mean in terms of being the next generation. So if I can leave with this message this morning is, are we pleasing God or are we pleasing man? Live to please God. And we will live as people who have been free through Jesus' death on the cross. And that's what Paul is trying to get to us. You have been free spiritually. Now, live free. Practically, live free. Do not submit to the rules and regulations that have been imposed on you in the past. Live free because we know that you have, know that you now belong to God. Live free. So that's what we have for chapter two. Uh, I just want to, there's, there's so much in here that I want to talk more about freedom. And I just want to encourage you guys to go back and read through the verses. Read through the verses and, 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 I, and I feel like ask yourself, am I living in the freedom of God? Living, living in the fullness of what God has for me, for my families, for my friends, and for my future. Ask ourselves that question because Paul is asking the Colossians, are you living free? Who's, are you submitting? Whose rules are you submitting to? Remember that. So that's all I have for us for this morning. I'm going to, can I pray? And then Gavin can close the meeting for us. If Father, I just want to thank you for this morning, God. I just thank you for who you are. I just thank you for what you are doing through this church, through your body, through this place, Lord. We just thank you that we can gather and lift up the name of Jesus, Lord. That we just want you, Jesus, to be lifted up, to be honored, to be glorified. That is the mandate. That is the banner. That is the mission. That is the vision that's been put on our heart, is to glorify Jesus everywhere. And that is the one thing that we want to do, Lord. We want to continually worship you, honor you, and lift you up until this block, this neighborhood, this city, this state, this country, and all nations will know that you are God, Lord. We'll know that, Jesus, you are to be honored, you are to be glorified, and you are to be lifted up, God. And we're so thankful for you. We love you, and we honor you. And we praise you, Lord Jesus. Amen.